This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey there, Robbie here, and what a sporting special we've got for you on the Offscript podcast. First up, a lady who captivated the imagination of millions back in September when she won the US Open as a qualifier aged 18 in only her second appearance at a Grand Slam. Emma Raducanu, who's going to be out in Abu Dhabi to compete in the Mabadala World Tennis Championship, joined us for a very special chat. We're also in conversation with IBF flyweight champion Sonny Edwards. He's pulling no punches ahead of his appearance for Probellum Revolution. And last but not least, broadcasting titan Jim White joins us, the man who did so much to launch Sky Sports coverage of Transfer Deadline Day. He joins us for a good old chinwag. The Off Script Podcast. We're getting straight into this. She is the young woman who captured the hearts of millions, the imagination of tennis fans everywhere. At just 18 years of age back in September, Emma Raducanu became the first singles qualifier in the Open era to win a Grand Slam title, beating Leila Fernandez in the US Open final. She came in here ranked 150 in the world, and she leaves the U.S. Open champion. Say hello to Emma Raducanu. Abu Dhabi will be doing just that, Chris. Indeed, and we will do that now because I am delighted to say it's a real honour to welcome Emma Raducanu into the conversation. Dubai I-103.8, we say it's a good afternoon to you, Emma, over in the UK, isn't it? Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you, Emma. It's, it's fantastic to have you out in the UAE. I, I know it's a huge weekend of sport. I know you're a big F1 fan. You'll be keeping an eye on what's going on, I'm sure, at the Yas Marina circuit. But how excited are you, Emma, to get out to the, to the Middle East and make your uh, debut in the Mabadla Tennis World Championship? Yes, definitely. I'm very excited to get out there in the UAE. It's my first time out there, but I've heard so many incredible things. And of course, it's a great weekend for sport as well with the F1. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a very exciting week ahead. Now listen, Emma, a little birdie tells me that you are a massive F1 fan. So before we talk all things tennis, come on, give me the big hot tip. Who's winning on Sunday? Is it Max Verstappen or is it Lewis Hamilton? I mean, it's making it's too tight to, to too tight to call, but uh, I think I'm rooting. I'm rooting for Lewis. Of course, you are. That's a good answer. I am as well. Listen, I want to get to what you achieved over in Flushing Meadows, and Robbie was right to point out you have, and I know you'll be acutely aware of this. You've captured the hearts of millions. I was rooting for you. I was on my sofa, and it was one of the best, if not the best, sporting moment of 2021. Looking back on your three weeks in New York City. I mean, what are the abiding memories of what you achieved over there? Thank you. I mean, the memories are for sure just the journey that we went on from the beginning of qualifying all the way until the end. I mean, the trip went so fast, but uh, we created some really special memories and we had some routines that we stuck to, like frozen yogurt after a win and uh, pokey and all these small things that just that just give you a sense of home and um yeah, I mean, t- looking back, it, it was the most incredible journey. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just so grateful for the people that shared it with me as well. And you had such an effect, Emma, on, on sports fans. I mean, Chris and I have been sports fans for as long as we can remember. And, and honestly speaking, I, I honestly can't remember too many performances. I had a little tear in my eye yeah. when you won. And I'm sure you've had that reaction from so many people. We've had an incredible year of sport where we've had an Olympic Games, we've had a Euros in football, and a lot of people would point to your win and say that was the standout moment in sport in 2021. I mean, how surreal is that? I'm sure you wouldn't pass any judgment on, on where it ranks, but how, how does that feel when you hear someone say that? 
yeah, it feels pretty special. I mean, to to have achieved that, I feel like it still it is gradually sinking in, but I think it's going to take a long time to really believe what has happened. But uh, I'm already looking ahead to, to training hard into next year, and it's going to be my first full calendar year on tour. So uh, I'm just really looking forward to learning and trying to improve and get better. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. And I just wonder as well, there was an outpouring of emotion. Robbie's in tears. I was jumping <laughs> up and down on my sofa, Tom Cruise-esque. In terms of the people that reached out to you, though, the, the kind of famous figures, was there anyone that left you a little kind of, I guess, kind of not crestfallen, that's the wrong word, but a little uh, stargazed, uh, someone that perhaps got in touch with you that you thought, wow, this has really happened. I mean, for sure, the moment after the final where I was taken into a small room and, and I'd received a letter from Her Majesty the Queen. So I think that was that was a pretty eye-opening moment. I mean, yeah, it's not every day that happens. <laughs> so for that, I'm, I'm just so so like grateful and surprised and beyond belief for for her majesty's support yeah it's hard to top the queen isn't it when it comes to well wishes (laughs) to be fair and emma how did you reset i mean you've been so serene throughout this whole year and this whole process and getting back into tour life and obviously i think it was your first wta tournament post the us open it's a heck of a thing to have to reset from how did you do that mentally yeah i mean for me i think that i was feeling very like ready after the season to to just you know I had a small break and after that I came back very refreshed and ready to go again but uh, yeah as I said I'm very new to the tour so um, for me to have my first WTA win after winning a Grand Slam just shows like how new I am and uh, yeah it's going to take me some time to set in and get that consistency but uh, I'm I'm sure with good work I have a great team in place Um, yeah I'm looking forward to to putting some great work in and hopefully improving and and getting more consistent too and how am I you dealing with the fame the trappings of fame because now I would imagine you can't go anywhere without being noticed and getting I guess cajoled and asked for pictures and autographs I mean are you settling into that kind of new side and new role in your life yeah I mean for me it's just so nice to see when people you know they've supported me throughout the journey I feel like they've lived that journey with me in in New York and in Wimbledon so um, for me to interact with them I, I enjoy it so much like they they have played a big role in just, you know, some people have superstitions, like they couldn't watch my matches because they thought it would bring me bad luck. So uh, I really feel for these people. And um, yeah, it's just so nice to connect with them when I can. You've started working with, with Torben, uh, Emma. What, what areas are you, are you kind of focusing on in, in the off-season? And what, where, where do, you, do you feel that you need to make a few tweaks going forward into 2022? I mean, yeah, I'm really excited to be working with Torben. He's got a lot of experience, um, worked with Angie Kerber, who's who's an incredible champion. So uh, I feel really honoured that he, he was going to join my team. And uh, for me, I think in this off-season, we're working a lot on um, getting physical. You know, I've got a long way to improve in, in that sense. But uh, also, we're, we're just going to p- keep working put it together and uh, yeah hopefully next year I'll have some more physical robustness I'd say that's my biggest goal Now Emma Rory McIlroy the, the golfer of course golfer extraordinaire he, he's very open with what he does in the off season he writes down when he's on his first playing journey over to his first tournament he'll write down what he wants to achieve in that calendar year do, do you do anything similar and not to put too much pressure on your shoulders here Emma but do you have any expectations what do you want to achieve in 2022 
Yeah, I'm actually that's a very good idea. I might take some of that. But uh, I, for me, next year is all about improving and learning. I mean, I only played six months of of the calendar last year, so uh, for me, I'm going to a lot of these tournaments as my first time there. So um, yeah, I'm just going to look to improve. And at the end of the year in 2022, I want to look back and see that in some areas I've made gains. And uh, I know that over time, after I put a couple years into training and, and getting that consistency, then um, yeah, the results will come. Yeah, is it almost like pretending that the US Open was a dream and it never actually happened? I mean, is, is that going to help you to kind of, I suppose you probably wouldn't have any issues, but staying in the moment, I guess looking forward when you're setting these new targets, everything that's happened in the past is kind of out of your mind completely? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think that US Open was great and I, I took so many experiences and good memories from it but uh, for me it's it's not about dwelling in the past, it's about moving forwards and looking to where I can improve because there are many areas I still feel like I have a long way to go and uh, yeah, for me that's, that's what I'm going to do, I'm going to put my mind reset it and, and focus on what I want to improve on Last couple from us Emma, we'll let you get going the Mubadala World Tennis Championship, it does get underway this coming Thursday, 16th through to the 18th, you are unmistakably the headline act on the Thursday and that's not to be disrespectful to the fellas as well you and Belinda Bencic the Olympic champion I mean what can we expect give me your kind of breakdown on Belinda thank you I mean Belinda's a really good opponent I mean she won Olympic gold this year so uh we played each other in New York and it was a very very difficult match but um yeah I'm sure it'll be a super tough match I yeah, looking forward to it, going out there and playing. I mean, it's an incredible lineup out there with the men. I mean, Andy and Rafa playing out there is pretty incredible too. So, uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to get out there and play play in the in the incredible arena, I heard. And last one from me, Emma. Any message to the fans here in the UAE? It's going to be a packed house for sure down there in Abu Dhabi. You, you got a message for them? Yeah, hopefully you can come out and support and watch. Um, it's going to be great fun. And uh, I'm really excited to come and see you guys and play in front of you guys. So, uh, yeah, can't wait and see you out there soon. Well, listen, Emma, you're a credit to the sport. You're a credit to your mum and dad as well. You're a credit to yourself. We're looking forward to seeing you over here later this week. The Mubadala World Tennis Championship. Emma Raducanu, we'll see you then. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. See you soon. Fantastic. Incredible. Great stuff. Great to have Emma on the show. An absolute privilege for us. Just awesome. Yeah, well, I, and you know what? It kind of dawned on me there listening to Emma. I mean, we don't know Emma for Adam. And yet there's you admitting that you had a tear in your eye. I honestly did. And, and I was genuinely We had some messages to on, say the same. Yeah, on the sofa, I was jumping up and down. And it just, that's sport, isn't it? We, didn't, we don't know that girl. I mean, she is just someone, though, that captures. Sport does that. It captures hearts. Yeah. It captures imagination. She is going to be. She's off the line now, so I can't put the pressure on her shoulders. She's <laughs> going to be a superstar. She already is. She's just a lovely girl. Uh, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting. See, she says thank you. Any compliment that you lace in a question, thank you, and then she yeah, answers. She's very it. polite. She's very, polite. Uh, very grounded. Uh, and, and that was the thing during the whole U.S. Open fortnight. Or, or for her, it was even longer than a fortnight because she played three qualifying matches as well. She was just so composed. I mean. She had to. It. it wasn't just. It wasn't just the matches and, and keeping a, a kind of abreast of that and like keeping on top of that mentally. It was the fact that then she had to go to the ESPN studio and she was being interviewed by former greats John like McEnroe. John McEnroe. She, she, she just sailed through all of yeah. that. 
And it, it would take someone who's got incredible resolve and incredible strength of character to kind of be able to just breeze through that and in the way the that she did. performances as well, Rob. Oh, you know, they no were just... real weaknesses. I said it to you. Electric. She's got a great serve, her forehand, she moves well. And listen, she does have to reset. I mean, we're not sitting here. She's still 19 years of age. She's very, very much still at the start of her young fledgling career. But it's going to be a real treat to see her. And I do say that, even if you're not a tennis fan, you know, to get on down there, to be fortunate enough to be on the Zayed Tennis Stadium uh, next Thursday to see her. She will be the evening matchup with Belinda Benchit. You've got the two semi-finals a little earlier in the day. Casper uh, Ruud, Denis Shapovalov. You've then got Dominic Team, Sarandi Murray. I mean, talk about that being a lovely match. And then that's just the appetizer ahead of Emma Raducanu against Belinda Benchit, who, by the way, Belinda Benchit, another wonderful talent on the WTA. So it's going to be three great matches. And even as I say, even if you're not a tennis fan, you might just want to have a little look whether tickets are still available because you are witnessing, I believe, a young woman who is going to go an incredibly long way in the sport of tennis. And speaking of tennis and looking ahead to the Australian Open, which we have been doing, mainly to do with Novak Djokovic's vaccination or eligibility status to actually see whether he can compete in the event. From the female perspective, are you expecting Naomi to play? I, I, I am. I mean... Yes, I haven't even really given it much thought that she won't, in all honesty. Rob, I know there was a bit of speculation during the rounds that Naomi may walk away from the sport. I don't think she will. I'd like to think, and we go back to a conversation we had four or five months ago, that Naomi has taken time out, that she's perhaps looked to seek a little bit of help in the areas that she admitted that she had some issues with. And listen, the, the sport of tennis, not just women's tennis, the sport of tennis is in far better health with Naomi Osaka. I want to see Naomi Osaka going toe-to-toe with Leila Fernandez. I want to see Naomi Osaka going toe-to-toe with the lady that we've just heard from in the shape of, of Emma Raducanu because we questioned where women's tennis would go after Serena Williams. I make an argument. If Naomi Osaka's back and firing, Leila Fernandez kicks on and Emma Raducanu, it's in an even better place because you've got three young women there who I all think are, are they're multiple Grand Slam winners from, from what I've witnessed of them. We know Naomi already is. Naomi's got a wonderful game. In the case of Emma and Leila, though, they've got the talent, they've got the potential. I think they've got the teams around them as well to see yeah. them fulfil that potential. I think the women's game is just think, really good health. I just think, and I agree, I do agree, certainly talent-wise, that's not even a question. It's just whether they want it, the longevity, the grind of it, you know, that Serena just accepted. It's a heck of a thing it to is. want to... And that's, I think, Naomi is showing clear signs of just kind of burnout in terms of, like, she, she doesn't enjoy but, the, the but, scrutiny. But and, I think Emma's different. No, no, maybe, maybe. But again, she'll take time, I think, to get up to speed. She's not going to be rattling off Grand Slam wins, I don't think. I don't know. Um, I'm not ruling that out. I'm yeah. not ruling out. If, if Emma Raducanu finds the level she found in Flushing Meadows... That level was pretty high, Rob. Yeah, no, no Serena doubt. Williams no firing doubt. would have struggled. I think Emma and Wimbledon, she's good on grass. She showed that she got to the fourth round. I'm going to say it because she's not listening. <laughs> I think Emma will win another Grand Slam in 2022. You really think that? I really do believe that. Wow, that is a heck of a tout. I mean, well, you can bookmark it now. All right, okay. Length of well, I'm not going to bet against that because that would be uncharitable of me and certainly mean-spirited as well. So I'm not. I'd love to see a win. Another grand slam. I just think it's difficult given the strength and depth and the the, the sort of, you know, uh, the vagaries as well, the yeah, sort of fluctuations Sophia of the, the Bianca Andreescu's. We, we've had a lot of, and I, again, don't want to be accused of Anglo-centricity here. You know, we're getting excited about Emma because, yeah, okay, part of that's because she hails from our neck of the woods, but more than that, it's the manner. First qualifier, male or female in the 
Open era to come through qualifying to win a Grand Slam in only our second Grand Slam. That's where my excitement comes from, but I do temper that. We've had Yelena Ostapenko, we've had Sofia Kinin, we've had Bianca Andreescu. Mm. They've all won Grand Slams and in early. the last couple of years and early and young, and we haven't seen them really burst through. So, yes, there's always question marks. What I'm saying to you, though, is from her level... And the way that she conducted herself, not just in this interview, but in interviews, I think Emma Raducanu has got the minerals. I think she does to go far in this game. And I'm going to say it again. She's going to win a major. <laughs> All right. Grand Slam next year. You heard it here first. The Offscript Podcast. Sonny Edwards, who is the main attraction. Make no mistake about this. This man is the main attraction. Probellum Revolution this Saturday night. He's going to be putting his IBF flyweight title on the line. We've just seen him in the ring. He looks ferocious. He looks like the star that from the television screen. I know that he is. Sonny Edwards, first and foremost, welcome to Dubai, my friend. Yeah, I mean, it's the second time I've been, but what a place, what a city. Um, the opportunities here seem endless. I mean... And I'm buzzing to be a part of such a big event. i just seen a flash of me on, on the, 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 the billboard over there. And it's funny because I always thought I had a face for radio. We have that, Sonny. You just for the next five minutes or so. But it is an incredible setting, this. I know you, you were on social earlier today saying it's one of the most beautiful places, one of the most beautiful cities you've seen. It's not known as a boxing hotspot, but it's moving that way. I think it was uh, Richard Schaefer himself yeah. who said that it's got the potential to kind of maybe not be the next Vegas because we know Las Vegas is unique but certainly make its mark on the international stage do you feel that having been here and trained here and obviously you're preparing for this big fight yeah definitely and I think they've also got the infrastructure and everything in place to make it an experience for the fighters I mean since the moment I've been here you've been looked after like kings I mean getting chauffeur driven around one of them big Cadillac Escalades it's, it's insane I've never, I've never even seen a car like that let alone been in one um, <laughs> and how are preparations sorry Sonny you, uh, how have preparations been for this fight? Because a lot of eyeballs will be on you. We're expecting a decent crowd in in the Coca-Cola arena. You're fighting here in Dubai. You've got Michael Buffer flying in from the US. He's going to be calling you out. How have preparations gone? Great, to be honest. I mean, it was disappointing when the fight fell through in September. Me and Mama was meant to square it off then. I suffered an injury literally a week to the day before my fight, and I was devastated, heartbroken. I had to get out before Christmas with my plans that I've got next year. Probellum, Frank Warren, everyone put their heads together, got me on this card, got me this opportunity. And if anything, I'll be perfectly honest, that extra couple of months probably did me the world of good because I was away from that ankle. I was suffering of a few little niggles around my body. And that little bit of time, that extra couple of months preparation, I stayed in the gym, I didn't spend the day out of it, even when I was doing bags on a spinny office chair to take the weight off my foot. And I'm serious, a lot of them, I'm being serious. Um, and it's just all gone great. I've got a great team. Um, my management team, the best in the world. Um, Grant Smith, I've been with him since my amateur days. I won my senior ABA title in his gym up in Sheffield. Trept me like his son since I've been there. I mean, loyalty is royalty, and I think... I'm being rewarded with all of this. I'm being rewarded for trusting the process, sticking to it when, you know, a lot of fighters, they expect the world to be given them on a plate. 
I've gone out and earned the world. I've st- I started in the leisure centres that didn't even have two football inside football pitches on them. You know what I mean? That, 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 that's where I started from in this pro game. Yeah, talk to us. You've obviously you come from a, a boxing family. We, we spoke a couple of weeks ago to your older brother Charlie. And what was it like growing up in that environment, Sonny? As as someone with the precocious talent that you had as a kid, getting that experience from from people around you that that you know were, were already in the game was that an invaluable kind of asset for well, you? Firstly, on that, that's when I got stood up, wasn't it? <laughs> I can't lie though. If a bird ever stood me up, they won't get a second date. So you boys are very lucky. Yeah, um, now I'm joking. Admit lapse in communication, but I'm here now, looking person. How much better is that? Eh? Exactly. Um, but nice. Seriously. Um, boxing started with my brother. I started three months after, um, and my dad. He's a, a maverick, a madman, whatever you want to call him. He believed that we would go on to win world champ world titles. When we was like ten and eleven, when we had done like we didn't even know boxing these times. Like he had no real experience. We just trained hard, trained harder than everyone else, and did rounds longer than everyone else, sparred more than everyone else. I used to spar 10, 12 rounds as an 11, 12, 13-year-old kid all the way through. I've always been... I don't like doing anything else. I used to do the long round sparring and go in the back and play football and hide from the trainers. Yeah, yeah. I was always like that. But me and Charlie, to, to there's only two brothers, and to both go on and win world titles at a young age as well. I mean, I think... He was 25 when he won his as well, and I'm 25 when I won mine. I'm pretty sure we're both 25. It's, it's incredible. What did it feel like when you won the world title? I mean, that is... I can't even imagine what that feeling would be like. Hate, did it sink in immediately? Was it something that was a bit surreal? I hate saying this, but expected. One reason, because I'll be perfectly honest, I don't think there's a single thing my brother can do that I can't do. That's just little brother syndrome, you know what I mean? Anything he can do, I can do better. And if not, I've got three years to try and be better, do you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Um... But I expected I don't when I when I got the decision when I was lifting up the belt I weren't crying I weren't jumping up on the corner screaming and shouting it was all cool cool and calm because I believe in myself to that extent and I've proved to myself that many times over the last 17 years I'm pretty good at this mm-hmm. like I've I've said that I was one of the best in the world from way before people were laughing at me I always thought I used to, when I was a kid I never got to the Olympics but I beat a few Olympians like. Um, former world champions and amateurs and I always knew that given the opportunity given the right shake of the dice I'd have my day in the sun and, and you're here. my first world out of defence is in the sun so I think it's just all come full circle what, what's the future obviously uh, again I said this to Rohan a little earlier your future is the next fight it always is as a boxer you can't look too far ahead Sonny but what have you got in your mind what is the aspirations I try not to plan too far but I want everything the world has to offer and more I'll be perfectly real I don't see why I can't get it especially in boxing um, but win, lose or draw like a win won't make me believe that I'm untouchable and a loss won't make me believe that I'm no good no more I'm a competitor. I like it. And I don't I don't enjoy doing anything else, I'll be perfectly honest. Um but all I ever really want is the big fights, the fights that people are interested in, like the ones that get them talking. I'm a flyweight, the least glamorous division pretty much out of them, but I'm managing to attract a fair amount of eyes, a fair amount of interest and 
and I'm still early on. I mean, in another five, six years, and I've had a few legacy fights. There's fights out there for me already. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, just that. just very quickly. I mean, on the subject of kind of obviously you're unbeaten, Sonny, but you know we've seen boxers deal badly with losses. We've seen boxers deal very well, get straight back in, and kind of pick themselves up and kind of own the loss. Do you ever give that much thought as someone who's protecting an unbeaten record, or is it literally just you manifest that every single fight you're going to emerge victorious? I've never turned down a single opponent. Um, every opponent I've ever been offered by my, my, my management, I've always said yes straight away. When I've got offered two or three, hand on heart, I've always picked the heaviest one or the best record. And that, 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 out of them three, the hardest one. Because how can I be going around telling everyone I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then I'm turning down all these little steps on the way up. Like, it doesn't matter to me who I fight. I focus on me and I believe in myself. And what I do on its day is a nightmare for anyone at weights above me, let alone just at flyweight. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I get in the ring and I spar tens and hundreds of rounds against people that when you see two fighters on TV, they might be four or five weights above me. You might think, oh, they would absolutely knock him out. But I've never had that experience of getting in the ring and being completely inferior to someone because I've got a skill set where if I don't really want to get involved... You are not touching me. To the, I, know, I know that sounds mad, but like, if I want to make it easy like that, I might not even win the fight, perhaps, but you're not going to hurt me if I don't want to get hurt. Like I'm, I'm very elusive. My reactions to me are second to none. Mm. I think that's why I do things in the ring that people haven't seen for, for a while. Well, that's why, Sonny, there's going to be a big crowd in for you on Saturday night. I cannot wait. I'm going to get down to the Coca-Cola Arena. It is Probellum Revolution. Sonny Edwards, headline act, the IBF flyweight world champion. Best of luck on Saturday night. Sonny Edwards, top man, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. The Off Script Podcast. This man is a titan of broadcast, is what he is. I remember watching this man. There was a show called Scott Sport over in the UK, obviously over in Scotland, watching this fella. Followed his career closely. Of course, he moved over to Sky Sports News and he became he became the linchpin of Sky Sports News. Make no mistake about it. Talk Sport as well. He does a fantastic show with Simon Jordan. It is one of the best. Ali McCoy's a good mate as well. Of course, Ali's a good friend of ours over here. It's the one and only Jim White. And he joins us live right here in Dubai. Jim, good evening to you my friend guys good evening to you I don't know if I can live up to that introduction to be quite honest after that Chris that's, that's absolutely blown me away mate it's, it's true though Jim you are a, a legend and not only in these parts but back in the UK as well and listen you, you're wearing many hats Jim because talk sports your daily that's where you kind of do you get your daily coin etc but you're also wearing a probellum hat this weekend you're an ambassador for the boxing brand as well I know. I never, ever thought I'd be an ambassador for anything, to be quite honest, uh, Chris. But no, there we are. Probellum have got their inaugural fight night on Saturday night. Um, uh, it's at the Coca-Cola Arena, which you guys will know well here in uh, magnificent Dubai. And uh, a couple of Englishmen uh, topping the bill. Paul Butler is going to try and win a world title from this Filipino John Riel Casemiro. Uh, the WBO World Bantamweight title. And then later on, I spoke to this guy earlier on today, Chris. He is absolutely wonderful. Sonny Edwards uh, is going to defend his title against another Filipino, Jason Mama. Uh, Sonny's the IBF World Flyweight title. So as you can tell, I'm having to do my homework <laughs> because I don't know my left boxing glove from my right one. <laughs> but um, 
I'm looking forward to it immensely, I must say. Yeah, he, he's a straight talker, is Sonny. We, we got a, a few words with him, Jim, just a few. Uh, in fact, yesterday we managed to have a little chat with him and he, he doesn't pull any punches outside of the ring either. He's very, very slick inside it. And it's been a great year for boxing, hasn't it? I mean, Josh Taylor, your fellow countryman, uh, doing what he's done in the ring, extraordinary stuff. It, it has felt like British boxing in particular has had a really great year in 2021. Do you know, that's a great point you make. And um, I think it's even going to get better in 2022. Josh Taylor, I think, will go from strength to strength. Um, He's not short in confidence, as you boys know. Uh, And I I reckon he's got the personality to become a big, big star in the U.S. And to be honest, that's what Tyson Fury's done. I mean, he's he's on another planet now because of the fact that he's fought Wilder so often in the United States. And everybody knows Fury. But now next for Fury is going to be Dillian White. And, uh, of course, the big obstacle for Anthony Joshua is can he get uh, this guy Usyk out the road the next time they get in the ring? So it's going to be an enormous an enormous year in the world of boxing. Of that, there's no doubt. I want to widen the conversation out, Jim. We're getting loads of questions. I popped up. We thought we were having you on the show yesterday. I popped up a little video on Instagram. I was inundated with questions. So many coming in for you from our <laughs> British fans, Jim. So let's start with Simon Jordan. Robbie and I, huge fans of your show. You and Simon Jordan, former owner of Crystal Palace. There's a man who pulls no punches as well. Getting questions in as to what's your relationship like with Simon? Are you good buddies off of the radio station? <laughs> well, yeah, we're just like, just as you two are, of course, in there. Um, yeah, we, we are actually, Chris. I'm, I'm very close to him. Simon, he, he's something of an acquired taste <laughs> because you've got to hit the ground running with him every morning. Um, and the thing with Simon, Chris, I, I, this is why I admire about him most. He's such a straight talker. You know, he means what he says and says what he means. He's not shy in coming forward. He'll talk about the fact that he, he hit the skids at Crystal Palace financially um, and ran out of money there and how that, that, that came about. Um, but when it comes to talking about club ownership, there is nobody better informed than Simon. And um, he's got an opinion on everything, but by God, does he go for it. So I must admit, it's become, it's become an, it's almost like um, appointment to listen between 10 and 1 back in the, the UK. But we're delighted. He's, he's immense to work with, I must say. He pushed, he pushed the envelope a bit in, in the Euros, Chris, when uh, Scotland were trying to do well. And then it, you know, it came down to England, Scotland, at uh, that sodden Wembley that night. And I christened him Edward Longshank <laughs> for about three days after that. Brilliant. Yeah, he was very pointed in his remarks about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well. I know, Jim, in, in the build-up to obviously yeah. Ole departing Old Trafford. What's been the story this season that has divided your listeners over on TalkSport more than any other? What have, you, what have you gained the biggest reaction to? Oh, that is such a good question, you know. Actually, the, 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 the Manchester United situation has been one which has really divided opinion because, as you guys both know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer still, in spite of the fact he's now gone from Manchester United, still in the eyes of many United fans can do no wrong. Um, and they, many of them, they, they, they were in two minds at the end. It's almost as if they knew it wasn't going to work. 
that they knew something was going to change, that Ollie was going to go, and still it hurt them very badly because of this huge love affair that they have with Ollie. So uh, uh, that was a big, big story that divided a lot of the, the listeners, guys, I have to say, and that's such a good point and such a good question that you've given me. Uh, the other one maybe up north, Stephen Gerrard, out the blue, of course, uh, Aston Villa sacked Dean Smith, and what do you know? Christian Perslow and Aston Villa make the move and they go for Stephen Jarrett and they get Stephen Jarrett because Stephen Jarrett blew them away in the interview process. Now, I was up in Glasgow about 10 days ago doing an evening with Graham Souness, which was exactly as it sounds. It was an evening with Graham Souness at the SEC Armadillo in Glasgow. 2,300 people attended it, most of them predominantly, because it was Souness, predominantly they were Rangers fans. And as soon as Aston Villa came up in the conversation and Gerrard came up in the conversation... There was quite a lot of disquiet in the theatre audience. They, 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 they weren't happy uh, about the, the situation under which Jared left, the speed with which he left. And now, of course, um, and now we know it's, it's all changed there. And Gio is in at, uh, at Ibrox. So that one split, that very much split opinion amongst the Rangers fans as well. Those two stand out in my recent memory, certainly. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And it's interesting you say that. Of course, Emma Dodds, former colleague of ours, a lady I'm sure you know well, Rangers TV. She, of course, put the question on BT Sport to Stephen and he said, don't ask silly questions, Emma. She said, I'm only doing my job. And of course, what happened 10 days later? That's he's right. not going to Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. He's off to Aston Villa. I want to ask you as well, Jim, a lot of questions coming in with your role. Sky Sports, of course, transfer deadline. Day. You became the face of that particular day, the yellow <laughs> theme. I mean, give us a little bit of insight, give us some anecdotes from behind the scenes, Jim, as to how much of a role you played in really making that transfer, transfer deadline day what it became, which was must-viewing television. Uh, yes. Well, um, I, I've got to say to you, it, it kind of developed and developed and then it became something that I don't think any of us, any of us must have predicted, to be honest, Chris. It became enormous. I always remember, I think, the pivotal, um, the pivotal night was when Berbatov went to Manchester United and Rubino, Rubinho, everybody thought Rubinho was going to go to Chelsea. And then, what do you know, at the last minute, he went to Manchester City. So that was a night that really grabbed the audience and the viewing figures were enormous. And thereafter... Many, many transfers really caught the imagination. I mean, I, I, for one, never thought Fernando Torres would go for 50 million from uh, yeah. Liverpool to Chelsea, but he did. Um, th there are so many, so many moments. I can't tell you so many moments that you think, well, he's definitely going to go to such and such a club, and then it didn't, and then it didn't happen. I mean, I, I, I remember in, in London, um, it, it, it looked as though um, Arsenal and Chelsea had agreed uh, terms for uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. And then at the last moment, I, I got wind of the fact that Oxlade-Chamberlain, if he's going to leave, he only wants to go to Liverpool. You know, and that's what happened. So, so many moments, you get a curveball at the last moment and you've just got to go with it. Um, Musa Sissoko, I, I heard, was um, going to be leaving Newcastle and he was definitely, absolutely definitely, uh, heading, uh, heading south. Um, he was going to go to Everton, and at the last moment, with camera crews at, at, at Everton's training ground, what do you know? He headed further south and he went to Tottenham. So I think that is the magic of it the curveball in the last moment. You think someone's going to go somewhere and he ends up somewhere else. 
I think that's the magic of it, to be quite honest with you. Uh, there was that story, Jim, about David De Gea. I hate to remind Chris about this, but it was basically a fax machine that thwarted <laughs> his move to Real Madrid, or at least that's what we were told. It was a faulty fax machine. It didn't arrive in time. It is amazing when you think the, num- the amount of money that's spent in football, when you've got hundreds of millions of pounds being spent, that there can be this level of chaos. I mean, transfer deadline yeah. day, we always talk about you know a club being smart when they do their business at the start of summer they, they identify their targets they move in they, they make yeah. the deals they get yeah. the players in they get them ready there's something re- absurdly chaotic about the idea of s- spending loads of money the day or the hours or the minutes before a window slams shut and then it, there's you know it, it's knee jerk isn't it fundamentally and, and yet Sky played such a big role in driving that kind of culture in football Oh, yeah, I must admit, I mean, the buzz I got at times when I, I got the suit on, the yellow tie on, the fact that when maybe Natalie saw her or Kate Abdul, and then you get the heads down, you're right into the, what, what the evening uh, holds in front of you. I mean, at, at times it was absolutely gripping um, because there was so much going on. And I, I've had people like Harry Redknapp texting me all the time. Harry, Harry is magnificent. I miss Harry so much. Uh, so much, guys, that I think when I finish on this call, I'll need to text Harry. <laughs> uh, I'm, getting, um, I, I'm getting pangs of emotion even talking about him. Um, and, and others. Others would help me. Owners help me. Um, I'm close to quite a number of owners, as, as you might know, and, and they assist me on a night like that. So instead of waiting for a media department to announce it formally on behalf of a certain club, the, the way I went about it was I would go to the very top and, and, try, and try and get ahead of the pack to get the information b- before anybody else did. And, of course, as you boys both know, the trick is standing it up. Absolutely. You have to be right because, you know, if you're inaccurate in any way, you're, you're left with uh, a not inconsiderable amount of egg in your face. So, I mean, like, you know, that, that's what it comes down to. I remember in one recent transfer deadline, the last but one, it was utter chaos. There was about uh, 20 minutes to go to the 11 o'clock deadline, and I got a message, and I decided to give it the Hollywood look, and I said, hang on, hang on, what is this? Who is this? And I looked at my phone, and it was a, a, a reminder for a dental appointment. <laughs> and I, actually, viewers, it's nothing any of you need to know. Um, I mean, honest to God. There I are moments it. of just total farce and comedy. I love it, Jim. Well, listen, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show this evening. And, of course, you are over here. Are you in a working capacity, or are you going to be enjoying the boxing on Saturday night? Hey, no, I'm 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 going to be I'm going to be working at it. Um, I'm going to be co-presenting it. Um, and you guys probably know Adam Catterall and yes. they're over here. They're going to be they're going to be commentating on it. I mean, it's their specialised subject. To be quite honest, guys, um, that and UFC, these boys um, these boys are all over it. But um, you know, I'll, I'll certainly be front and centre and doing my bit as well. I think there's quite a lot of VIPs heading along there as well. And certainly, you're judging by what I saw today, all the fighters were in a hotel in Dubai and I went along to, to, to see some of them today. There's a heck of a lot of interest in this. It's all happening in this region, isn't it? It is. With, with the boxing in Dubai on Saturday and the, the F1 in Abu Dhabi. There's no doubt about it. The million-dollar question, final one, and we'll let you get on with your Thursday night, Jim. Are you in a yellow tie on Saturday night? <laughs> 
I, I'm not in a yellow tie in Sunday. Well, it's a good one. I, maybe, maybe I should go out tomorrow and go to Dubai Mall and acquire a yellow tie. You should. Um, I've just had, a, I've had an afternoon nap and I'm standing talking to you in a hotel room wearing yellow pyjamas. But maybe I'm going to <laughs> fuck with that. Brilliant. Jim, thank you so much for sparing 10 minutes or so to have a chat with us. It's been great having you on and, uh, yeah, just getting some insight no into the crazy world of football and transfer deadlines and talk sport. It's fantastic having you on the show. It really is. Not a, it's been a great pleasure. I've heard about your show, guys, and you're doing well, so keep it going. That's the trick. Thank you very much, Jim. You're a superstar. If you ever need a job, just give us a call, OK? <laughs> Brilliant. I, I'll do, I will do, Chris. I'm not good, but I'm keeping punctual. <laughs> great stuff. Oh, brilliant, Jim, Jim White, fantastic to have Jim on the show. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. He's he is, brilliant. He's a, he's a legend in our field. He is. He's a real top guy as well as Jim. And listen, I remember Scott Sport, Talk Sport, Sky Sports. I mean, the guy's done it all, and he will be front and centre. You heard it there. Probellum Revolution this Saturday, Coca-Cola Arena, the biggest fight night in Dubai's history. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Traffic